y'all will click into mine. Thank you, bud. All right, so we are in a season of expectancy. We're in a season of just simply believing that what God's word says is true. And before I forget, Steph and Cody, would y'all stand up? This lovely couple got hitched a couple of weekends ago. They have now increased. They have now increased the name Cox in this city. They've increased it, but I'm just I'm so happy for you guys. And the Lord's telling you today, promotion. Promotion is on the horizon. Within within alignment comes promotion. Within alignment, even for you, Cody, there comes a promotion, both spiritually and physically, that in alignment, God says, watch what I can do. The things that you've dreamed about, that you've even cast aside, and you said, I don't even know if it's going to happen or if it can happen, God's saying, put your seatbelt on. Because what you, what you dream about, God can fulfill. So what are you dreaming? And what have you stopped dreaming because you didn't think it could happen? He's about to show you something. And pour something out on you that you thought at one point it'll never happen. So, Lord, I thank you right now for a spirit of receptivity. Lord, I thank you that he does not cast down even the small things, the small starts that come in his path. Lord, I thank you that today he sees with new vision, that he sees with new eyes. Lord, I thank you that their home sees with new clarity. I thank you that their future is bright. And I thank you that today we release the Holy Spirit with new encounters in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So so we started talking on on Wednesday, Wednesday night. We had a conversation, and it really began to dawn on me all week long. Did God really say that? You know, we go back and we, we hear and we read things in Scripture, and then the enemy comes to us and goes... Really? Do you think God really said that for you? Now, now he might have said it for Mandy because Mandy's the best. But, but did he really say it for me? Did, did he really write this stuff down so that, so that I can see advancement, so that I can experience what God's wanting to do? Did it really happen? So let, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The serpent was the shrewdest. Of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did, really, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Of course we may eat it from the fruits, from, eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Satan is a master deceiver. Did you hear in that scripture, in those few verses, where he twisted it? Did you recognize that the enemy, the serpent... Knew what scripture said. He knew what the father had said. So he was able to to, to be sly and smooth and and not aggressive. When he moves in and he even isolates. 
tries to cast doubt about what God clearly said. Because what did he do? He simply asked Eve a question. There's nothing wrong with a question. There's nothing wrong with, with the, the immediate question. Eve knew the answer. But her, her knowledge, quite possibly, was secondhand since she was created after God made the command to Adam. So, so looking here, so Genesis 2.21, the woman was created. But if we go backwards, because 17 comes before 21, that was, that was grade school mathematics. He talks about the tree of knowledge. So it's quite possible that when the tree, when God said, don't take from that tree, when he spoke it to Adam, Eve wasn't even created. So it was secondhand knowledge. You know, they're walking through the garden one day and Adam says, man, look at that tree. But hey, don't touch it. Right? It's just secondhand. She didn't hear. She didn't have a word, so to speak, that God stood before her and said, Eve, don't eat it. It was, it was secondhand. Isn't that kind of like how we are? Most of what we go through in our day-to-day -day lives is secondhand. We, we, we go and do these things or, or we, we listen to these things because that's what we're supposed to do. Satan started with a question that he knew she wasn't there to hear the original answer. She had heard about the tree, so she told the devil what she thought was the word of God. Man, just that one right there. You could spend an hour just on that one. She spoke what she thought was the word of God. There's a difference in thinking and knowing. I can think that surely it's only 11, 15 a.m. right now. I can think that all day. But knowing the clock tells me differently. There's a difference in just thinking and knowing. We have to get past the point of just thinking that we know God's scripture. And knowing God's scripture. What is God's word said? Because you can only fight the enemy when you know the word of God. Because she thought she did. Well, I've heard that it was said that I can't eat from this. And the enemy goes, huh, I can put my foot in that door. And now I can begin to pry that thing open. And we are so quick to judge Eve. We're so quick to say, man, if she would have just said no. But what we don't realize when you continue on in the story and you look at it in Genesis, what it looks like is here's Eve talking to the serpent right there in front of the tree. And if just a few words later, it says there's Adam standing with her. Homeboy lost what God told him. Homeboy was succumbed by the beauty of the woman that God created for him. And he allowed what he knew God's word was to be changed because, well, I won't use you. I don't want to throw you in that boat. That would not help me out later. Because, okay, I can give you a story. We were at Casa Roma one time. And we're eating the lunch buffet. And we went through and we got our plates and we're filling it up. 
And Mandy got one of these grilled, don't laugh, one of these grilled peppers. And in our home, I will lay down and say, she eats the stuff that I can't eat. I mean, she likes the hot peppers. She likes all of this stuff. And what I think is hot, she just looks at me and calls me a baby. And she's like, you need to try these peppers. They're really, really good. I'm like, okay. They look really good on the buffet. I mean, they're there. They're grilled. They look perfect. So I grab one, and I put it on my plate, and we sit down. And, and she's just eating away. She's slicing and cutting and eating and just enjoying the meal. But because Mandy told me, hey, you need to try this, I cut it off. I bit into it. I've never had the moment happen where something so hot hit my mouth that for the love of God, I could not breathe. I could not gain air. I could not. I was just sitting there hyperventilating on nothing because it was so hot. If I would have just listened to what I knew on the inside of me. <laughs> Stay away from that pepper. Even though it looks good, you're going to pay for it. So here I am sitting at the, at the booth with Mandy across from me to the point that she's laughing at me. Just like she is right now. Because she's reliving it. I can't breathe. I mean, it literally... It was one of those moments. If somebody would have seen me, they would have tried to give me the Heimlich maneuver. And it would have done no good because there was nothing but heat. What am I saying? I knew better. For one, if my wife tells me to eat a pepper, I know better. Because what she thinks is not hot, I think is ridiculous. But even with Adam and Eve, Adam was standing there in that moment... When all of this went down, he had the opportunity as, as head of his home to cut the head of the serpent. To say, not today. To say, this ain't happening on my watch. But so often, we, even when we have second-hand knowledge or when we have first-hand knowledge, we get into our emotions we get into the to the day-to-day -day grind of I'm just I know what God's word says. I know what he told me. But but really what's going on? Is it really a problem? You see, if Satan can get us to question God's word, to begin to doubt what God already said, or to ask ourselves, did God really mean what he said? Then he has the door wide open to make our minds his playground. When we, when we begin to doubt, what we, when we entertain the wrong idea, it allows a doorway to be opened that the enemy says, I got you now. Because it's, it's very difficult when somebody puts their foot in the door and you begin to shut the door, it's very difficult to get their foot out of the door. It's a whole lot easier to keep the door closed to keep their foot out. But we entertain thoughts. We entertain these things that, that we have no business. Before Satan could tempt Eve to eat the forbidden fruit, he had to make her believe that the Lord didn't have her best interests in mind. Do you really think God wants you to 
to go and do this? Do you really think God wants you in that relationship? Do you really think God wants to see your life succeed? Do you really think God is really up in heaven thinking about you? And what do we start doing? You're right. I did stump my toe the other day. God really loved me. I wouldn't have stumped my toe. We start making these little bitty, little bitty problems a bigger problem. We start entertaining thoughts using our vain imagination to begin to build a story in our head that says God's forgotten me. To begin to build a story in our head that says, you know what? I don't really know if God really likes me. I know what the preacher says. I know what the TV guy says. I know what I hear online. I know all these things, but God really doesn't like me. Or, or I would not be in the situations that I'm in. Eve, all she would have had to have done, even in the simplest form, is to look back at Adam and say, Adam, can you deal with this? Adam, you talk to God. You have firsthand knowledge. You know what the word says. Can you deal with this? And things would have been different. But let's be legitimately real. Somebody else in life, somewhere, would have done the same thing they did and we'd be in the same boat we're in now. Because we all say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Adam and Eve. And I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. But if any of one of us were in that moment, we probably would have done the same thing. So let's look at James 1. Verses 13 through 15. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So even just stopping here and just looking at that verse for what it says, temptation comes from our own desires. From what's already on the inside of us. We allow the enemy to have the foothold. To stick his foot in the door. That allows these things to begin to happen. And we blame God. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow. It gives birth to death. Satan is a master at this. He's been doing this for thousands of years. And here we think in my long 43 years of life that I've got everything I need to stand on my own. The enemy's good. He's good at even when we have a disagreement at home. For me to walk away and begin to overprocess the disagreement. Well, it's because she doesn't even really like me. It's because she wants me to, to have all these bad things happen. I don't even know if she loves me anymore. And maybe it was a disagreement because I wanted to go to one restaurant and she wanted to go to another. It wasn't one of those kind of disagreements. But guess what the enemy does? He already understands on the inside of me. Remember, we talked about what some of you weren't here. So Sunday night, uh, we were going through with, with the Bethel team. And they were going through a process of, of even identifying in our own hearts where we've believed the lie the enemy's told us. 
And, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm listening. And very clearly, I heard the, the Lord speak to me that I go through an inferiority. I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to do this, or I don't feel like I can do that. And so when somebody comes against me, I typically will then turn the arrows back in and say they're attacking me as an individual. So guess what? If I know that, the enemy knows that. So when we have a disagreement, the enemy begins to use that feeling of inferiority to place it back on her and say she really doesn't like you. She's just stuck with you for 20 years because she wants to. I mean, come on. I know the truth. The enemy will do the same thing in your life. The enemy knows your weaknesses better than you know your weaknesses. And the enemy will use your weaknesses to pry open that door. The enemy will use your weaknesses to pry open. This is why we need God's word in our lives. We've got to preach it. We've got to teach it. We have to devour it and do what's in Psalms 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We have to get past the idea of just memorizing scripture for up here because that's good. Don't take it wrong. You need to know scripture. But it comes to a point that we take it from here and we allow it to move to here. We have to believe what God's word says. It does me no good to know that, that healing is the children's bread. It does me no good that by his stripes I was made whole. It does me no good if it's up here, if I'm not allowing it to sink into here. If I'm not allowing it to be applied to my life. And I begin to stand up when the enemy comes against me. I don't just think I know his word, but I know his word and I can fight the enemy with the word of God. The question today is what part of God's word does Satan have you questioning? What part of God's word? Did God really say that he's the only God? There's no other gods before him. Did God really say that Jesus was born of a virgin? Did Jesus really come back to life in his resurrected body? Did God really say that the wages of sin is death, both physical and spiritual? Did God really say that Jesus is the only way to find eternal life? Did God really say that if a man dies in his sin, that he will be eternally separated from God in a place? Did God really say that a man is to bring of his first fruits, his tithe, and give those back to God in worship and honor? These are things that the enemy will try and come in. Things like this. That the enemy will try and come in and begin to open that door to a misconception of who, who Christ is. That God will try and come in and make you begin to doubt. Because when we can answer those questions in full faith, Satan's lies become powerless. But when we can't, this leaves room for him to work his deception. We're not at a point in our lives that we can rely on secondhand knowledge. We have to truly know firsthand what God really said and what he meant. I mean, think about it. They, Adam and Eve, walked in physical proximity 
God. He said he walked in the cool of the evening. They didn't know what the law said. They didn't know what you were supposed to not do other than the one thing. They had one rule. And they messed that one up. One rule. Their knowledge of God was very limited compared to what we know of God. So often I go, you know what? It would have been so awesome to be able to walk in the cool of the evening with God. How lucky, how blessed they were. I mean, 7.15, God's fixing to come by. Here he comes. I get to, I get to walk with him. But we can actually know God more completely and intimately than Adam and Eve ever did. God has revealed himself to us through his word in a way that makes us infinitely more prepared to resist Satan lies than Adam and Eve's were. Because knowing God through his word is better than having some visible or audible experience. That's crazy. That's that thought in my head that I have to begin to shift. And go, okay. Because walking with God would have to be the coolest thing there ever was. But we get to know God's word. We get to know the very essence of who God is. Because because it's written for us. It's been experienced for us. So I want you to open your Bibles. 2 Peter Chapter 1. 2 Peter's towards the back if you're doing the old-fashioned paper. Second Peter chapter 1. Give everybody just a second because I didn't prepare you. I'm going to start in verse 15. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. For we are not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly beloved, dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have been even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. They got to see things that even Adam and Eve didn't get to see. They experienced the power and the glory and the majesty. And because of what they went, we get to experience, because of the written word of God, we get to experience what God has done. Peter was trying to assure his readers 
that the gospel he had communicated to them was not just some fable or tradition he had heard. Secondhand knowledge. He had experienced. He had seen it. He had known Jesus personally. He also said, it's more, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. What could be more than just experiencing God in the flesh? We're getting to now hear God speak. Because of what we've, what we've experienced. In verse 20, it says that the more sure word is the scriptures. The scriptures are more, they're more reliable than our senses. Eve's problem was she just focused on her senses. Romans 2, Romans 2, 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this man mean, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Repentance. Herein lies the real root problem for everyone. We don't know God as we should. It's not God's fault. He's been very involved in the affairs of men. And he's recorded his dealings in his word. But what's the problem? We don't know his word. We can't fight the enemy based on second-hand knowledge. If you're wanting to see victory in your life, and you're wanting to put, you're wanting to apply what, God, what you feel God said to you. We all go through times where we feel like God said something to us, God's spoken to us, God's given us directions, God's given us um, walking orders. But do you realize what happens a lot of times? They're filtered through our own feelings, filtered through our own emotions, filtered through our own history, filtered through our desires, filtered through our lusts, filtered through all of these things that go and they go and they go. When God gives you a word and gives you clarity, go open scripture and see if it lines up with what's already been written. Because if it doesn't line up with what the written word of God says, I would highly begin to question. Doesn't mean I would throw it out, but I would begin to chew on it. I'd begin to just sit on it. I would begin to just, just begin in that moment just to, to go, okay, Lord, what are you saying? Because right now, I'm not seeing where, it's, where you're talking that it's okay for me to do this or to go here or to do that. I'm not seeing where it's okay for me to, to be among these, this problem. But I feel like you told me it's okay. This is where you go get counsel. Because we get so messed up in our, in our dealings and the ways we go in our walkings because we think we heard what God said. It doesn't line up with the word, but we do it anyway. And then we blame God because God allowed something to happen. When I use the filter that is scripture, and I apply what God said. 
And I use scripture to go, okay, God, I need confirmation in your word. I'm not just going through my own sinking thinking. Because there's days all I am is depressed. I'm not going to filter what God's saying through a depressed mindset. There's some days I'm so amped on something, I'm so excited that I have to go back and go, okay, God, help me to control my, my anxious, excited moments. Let me see it in scripture. Because I'm the type that over the last few years that I can be standing up here and God would say, I want to take the church and go pray at the hospital tonight at six o'clock. And I'll just jump and run. And I know that lines up with his word. But we need to be careful when God speaks to us. Because we're so quick to allow God speak to us on something that we're wanting to happen. But then we're so slow to hear the correction because we're shaking a finger at God and saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? The Lord said in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Specifically, the knowledge about the very nature and character of God. Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. If we really knew the love of God in an intimate way, our faith would work. So go back to your Bibles. Go back over as we close. The worship team members want to go ahead and make their way back up. We're going to go to Second Peter this time. And we're going to go to verse one, or chapter 1. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. Verse, chapter 1 of 2 Peter, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Do you realize that God called you forth? If I don't know what God's word says, I don't understand the depth of what he's doing and why he's calling me. It's divine power. It's divine power. If we're missing something that God has promised us, then we have a knowledge problem. We don't understand the promises of God. So real quickly, I want to read you some promises. Because my people die for lack of knowledge. That's what scripture says. What am I going to stand on if I don't know what to stand on? Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. John 16.33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Psalms 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. These are promises. 
1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. James 1 Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Didn't say patience. It's perseverance. The ability to push. I totally believe what what Kelly said this morning about a shaking. But you know what's also cool about a shaking? You ever been to a pecan farm? You ever been to and see all these pecan trees? I personally have never seen some guy crawl up in a tree that's harvesting pecans off a tree and pick them one by one. Do you know what they do? They grab this machine. And this machine comes down to the base of the tree. Puts something around it. And closes the trunk to protect the trunk. Because if you just begin to do this without protecting the trunk, you're going to break the tree. But in harvest season, when it becomes to pecans, there's a great shaking. And that, and that tree is shook, and it shook, and it shook, and it looks violent. But in violence produces a harvest. So, I do believe we're in the middle, in the beginning of a shaking. And I can only say it for here in this house. But I also know that in this shaking, good things will be produced. Good things will be produced in your life and in your family. If you will allow the hand of God to come around the base of that tree, which is your life, and to begin to move. Remember that it may feel like nothing is in control, but that machine is bearing the weight of that machine and allowing that machine or that tree to do what it can naturally do, which is move. Because without it, it would break. God's saying there's a shaking, but I got the trunk. I got the base. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Reminds me of Home Alone. Just before the, the thieves comes, he looks in the mirror and says, don't be scared now. But the shaking is a good thing. And that's why it's easier for me at this point. Let's go back to the pecan tree. If you've ever had a pecan tree, and you look up at the pecan tree, in that right season, the outer covering of the actual pecan itself, that's green, that's real tight, all of a sudden, it begins to open up. And the person that's working the farm knows that when that begins to happen, it's time for a harvest. It's time for a harvest. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to practice something that that I'm even learning and stretching my 
my faith parameters. It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward for some of you. But I want you to, I want you to try something with me. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, show me anything that I'm holding on to that I need to let go of. Now just listen. Because I believe the Lord will show you things. Now say, Heavenly Father, help me to let go. To allow you to shake, to move, to do whatever you need to do in my life. Open your eyes and look at me. Even in that moment, I'm a dad of a 15 and a half year old. And let's be honest, it scares the crud out of me to let go of an aspect of my son. But I know that in letting go of an aspect of my son, it's for his health and for his benefit. Does it shake me? Yeah. Especially with all that's gone on in the last two weeks. It shakes me. But I know that in the release of me allowing this pecan, the outer covering to be let go of, that this, that this pecan, which is a.k.a. my son, he's going to be who's been, who he's been called to be. And this little pecan is like a tree planted beside mine that will be planted and become the man of God that he's been called to be. So even when I'm sitting here and I ask just now, the Holy Spirit reminded me that I keep saying, okay, God, here he is, but not yet. Here he is, God. Mm, not today. In the same sense, why did he show me that? Because I was listening. And I believe whether you heard it or not because you asked. Scripture says you have not because you asked not. If it's that point blank that God responds when I ask, he's going to respond back. So a lot of times you're going, I don't know if I heard it. We have to shut off the outside. And we have to hear what God's saying. God's wanting you to be prepared. I'm not, and I'm coming from a shaking that's not coming from a, a physical, I'm not looking at politics, I'm not talking about government, I'm not talking about financial, I'm not talking about oil, I'm talking about spiritual shaking. That's where I'm at. And God is saying, are you ready? You've asked. Are you ready? So Lord, I ask you, to help us to release. To fully let go of those things that you're wanting us to let go of. So today, Father God, in the name of Jesus, physically, I'm opening my hands and I'm lifting them up. And I'm saying, here I am again. 
Help me, Father God, to let go of the things that I can't even control of anyway. To walk in the faith that you've called us to walk in. So, Lord, I thank you. I honor you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Worship you, Father. Today, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that every weapon formed against us will not prosper. I think that as we go forth from this place, we will experience the power, the presence, and the authority of King Jesus today. I thank you that your presence will be felt in our homes, in our jobs, in our cars, and everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. What a wonderful day it is that he has made. No matter what the world is trying to tell you how bad it is take peace and refuge that our God created a wonderful day and he is the God of the mountains and he is the God of the valleys and the valleys that we walk through are the valleys we will need our faith in our God we will be tempted and the Bible tells us to make level the steps of our path, to ponder the steps of our path, and to not go left and to not go right, but to look forward and to turn away from evil. So when that temptation comes, what are you taking with you? Are we taking the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword? that will defeat the enemy right there to remind him, no, this is what God said. Not what I said. It's what God said. Yes, he will tempt you to question that. And are we taking the word of God in our heart with us? Are we bringing heaven down with our words or are we bringing hell up with our words? What are we taking with us? What are we taking with us when we go into our daily lives, into our homes, into our jobs, into the world? What are we taking with us? Hide the word of God in your heart so I will not sin against you. We have folks here, if anyone is needing prayer, I hope that you are encouraged today by the word that Pastor brought. I hope you can take rest and confidence in the word of God throughout your week. And I just want to pray a blessing over everyone here. Father God, I am so thankful that we have the ability to come and worship you, God. I am so thankful for everyone that is here today, God. I am thankful for the lives that will be touched. I am thankful for the families that will be touched, Father, and I'm thankful for the communities that will be touched through the works of you, through us being the hands and the feet of you in our world. In Jesus' name we pray, all the believers said, amen.